You're tuning in to another episode of the OI with Jamie Anstey. And my guest has played over a thousand games in the National Hockey League, over 14 seasons, was drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs in the 1979 NHL Amateur Draft, went on to play three seasons in Toronto before going to the Edmonton Oilers, Winnipeg Jets, New Jersey Devils, and in his final season in the National Hockey League, was a captain of the expansion Ottawa Senators from the pride of Major Saskatchewan, Laurie Boschman. Laurie, thanks for joining me on another episode of the OI. How are things in Ontario at the moment? Well, uh, I, I think it's probably the same in Halifax, uh, Jamie. It's, uh, you know, we're uh, a little uh, housebound, if you would. Uh, no golf courses open, uh, not much is open. So, uh, uh, just lots of uh, lots of work from the telephone and Zoom right now. So, uh, but it's okay. You mentioned no golf. It's it's unfortunate because a lot of people's health right now during COVID is affected by not being able to go to parks and golf. I, I've talked to my parents. They're actually heading from the states to go up to Ontario or where they'll live in the summer, um, just outside of Ottawa. And there's no golf for a lot of people. Um, and it's affecting people's health. And it, it's it's great. We have golf here in Halifax, but um, I feel for yourself and a lot of alumni that I've had on the show not being able to golf. It's just, it's it's terrible times. Um, I don't really know who to blame. Um, but like we mentioned off air, Lori, I'm really tired of talking about COVID and, and everybody in Canada right now is feeling it. Um, everyone's dealing with the different, there's different rules and right. We'll just leave it at that, but let's jump into your hockey career. How did it all start for you? Well, I'm a, I'm a Saskatchewan boy, Jamie. I grew up in a small town in Saskatchewan, was born in a town called Carrobert, uh, which is about six uh, 6,000 people. But uh, we lived in major Saskatchewan, and I started playing hockey like many people out west because the weather was conducive to it. And and uh, there was five uh, siblings in my family. So we were outside most of the time. And of course, TV wasn't uh, what, it, what it is today, you know, back in the 60s, because I was born in 1960. So, um, you know, so I just played it for fun, like most people, Jamie, like I'm sure you probably did uh, in the Halifax area. You know, you grew up, you, you, uh, you know, you, uh, you know, maybe uh, you learned it from your parents or you watch it on TV and, and you sort of picked it up that way. And, and of course, because the weather was conducive to it, like I mentioned earlier, it, uh, we spent a lot of time outside because uh, TV wasn't uh, much of a thing back in the day. So, uh, so that's how I really started. And when I was nine years old, my parents moved from uh, Saskatchewan. We moved uh, east to Manitoba and uh, to Brandon, Manitoba. And so uh, that's where I got most of my formal training as a, as a nine-year-old from nine to, uh, to 18. I, I lived in Brandon and played there. And, and then I eventually uh, got asked to try out for the, uh, the tier two team uh, called the Brandon Travelers, which is junior B hockey. And uh, then I played a year there. And then the next two years, I played for the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, with Dunk McCallum, who was a former NHL uh, defenseman with, uh, with Pittsburgh. And uh, that's where uh, I sort of got most of my uh, training for hockey, if you would. Uh, formalized training was in the town of Brandon, Manitoba. Who would have been some of the players? I, I have a few friends in, in Regina at the moment. Just, is there any cool Saskatchewan stories? Um, I know when people talk about Saskatchewan, names like Gordie Howe, Wendell Clark, 
Um, right. Is there any cool stories in, um, playing in Brandon? I know like Darren Drager, he used to be the voice of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Um, someone I look up to regards to NHL inciting, insider stuff. Um, is there any cool Brandon Wheat King stories like I, for the people that are in Saskatchewan that um, that yeah. uh, follow the WHL? Well, you know what? There, there are lots of things. I mean, obviously, we used to, we used to take lots of bus trips and, uh, you know, our, our bus trips uh, out in Brandon. Brandon's the furthest team east in, a, you know, a four-province league. And, and, of course, now it's down in the States as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and, and, of course, outside of COVID, I mean, the Western Hockey League, uh, you know, didn't have much of a season this year. Um, so, um, well... You know, growing up, uh, I used to play outdoor hockey and, of course, indoor hockey. And, and, and you know, back in the, in the 60s, early 70s out west, uh, in the communities we lived, uh, they never had these machines that went along the sidewalks and cleared the sidewalks for, um, you know, pedestrians. Uh, what people did was if it snowed, you just, uh, you just walked on the snow and the snow became hard packed on the wow. sidewalks. And, uh, so what we used to do is I, I lived uh, four blocks away from the West end community center in uh, Brandon. And I used to put my skates on at home. I used to, uh, skate on the snow packed oh, wow. sidewalks to West end community center. And I used to, uh, play, uh, outdoor hockey with a lot of my friends and everything. We used to go inside the hut to warm up, but uh, your feet were, your toes were frozen. And I'm sure you probably experienced that at some yeah. level uh, playing hockey. And, yeah. and then I, you know, after we were done after many hours, I would skate home and, and uh, you know, go inside the house, take my, uh, take my skates off. And of course your, your, your feet are on fire when they start to thaw out. And of course, you know, I remember, being in tears uh, on many occasions, but uh, you just don't find that kind of thing today where, um, you know, growing up here, uh, you know, we had three boys and we live in the Ottawa area and myself and one of the neighbors looked after a, a, an outdoor rink for several years, for many, many years. And, uh, and our kids played, uh, our three boys played on the outdoor rink as did many of our, our, uh, people in our neighborhood. And we used to, we used to flood, uh, uh, just on the side of the, uh, the boards and, and the outdoor rink, uh, just for a skating, uh, pad for, uh, you know, for the people, but, um, but, uh, there's not, not a lot of that happening today, it seems, but, uh, uh, you know, back in the West end of Ottawa, they still do that. They still put the boards up every year and they have a different group of volunteers now that uh, flood the rink and stuff and, uh, allow the kids in the community to play hockey. And they have, uh, you know, they have chain link fence around. So if they shoot it high over the boards, it, it doesn't, you know, hit somebody. And so, so I have lots of great memories, uh, Jamie, of, uh, you know, growing up in Western Canada, bus rides, uh, you know, um, many stories around friends playing hockey, um, you know, and, and so it's, uh, it's, it's something we used to do obviously a lot of, and a lot of my friends, but, uh, interesting for me, I wasn't just, um, you know, hockey just wasn't uh, the thing that I did, although that was my main thing. But I, I was a bit of a sports guy. I used to do track and field. I used to play basketball, volleyball. I, I, I did all the sports that I could because I really enjoyed it. The only sport I didn't do was football. Uh, I wasn't a particularly big guy, you know, at six, six feet and, 
you know, when I played, I was 185 pounds and that's not a real big guy. And so in high school, I didn't play football because I was worried about, uh, you know, really getting hurt with some of these big guys pounding you. So, so anyways, I really enjoyed a lot of sports. Is it safe to say, Laurie, Gordy Howe was someone you watched on TV being from Saskatchewan. Did Gordy help you realize the dream? Hey, Gordy's doing it. Um, Wendell was maybe younger at the time. I don't know the age difference between you and Wendell Clark, but was Gordy on the TV a lot? Like, I know he played for the Red Wings. Were you guys able to watch Red Wing games? Even though, like, obviously we're in Canada. Yeah. A lot of Leaf games, Leaf Montreal, original six. Right. Montreal and Toronto were the only original six teams in the mix. Was there a lot of Red Wing games? And how much how much did Gordy influence you on your on your uh, hockey dream? Yeah, I, I can't say Gordy had a huge impact on myself. Um, you know, growing up, we just had the two TV channels, CBC and CTV. And every Saturday night we'd watch on on CBC, we'd watch uh, Hockey Night in Canada with my dad. And we'd either watch Toronto or Montreal. And my dad hated the Canadians. And so therefore I did. And I sort of through osmosis through my father uh, he was a big boston bruin fan so the bruins bad. were somebody that i looked up to you know so bobby Orr and phil esposito and mm-hmm. you know busick and hodge and and cashman and those kinds of players and of course i used to watch gordy howe and i knew he was from saskatchewan and and uh you know interestingly uh, you talk about wendell wendell is uh uh you know uh, younger than i am but i played against him in the nhl but another one of his uh uh, I, I believe uh, Barry Melrose is a cousin of, of Wendell's and he's from Kelvington, Saskatchewan, as is Joey that's, Kosher. That's correct. And I used yep. to go down to Kelvington, Saskatchewan when, when Barry Melrose used to run a hockey camp because I played with Barry in Toronto with the Leafs and uh, Wendell was playing uh, for the, um, uh, for, for the, uh, oh my goodness, where did he get drafted from the, uh, uh, which, yeah. which, which player are you talking about? Sorry, uh, Wendell Clark. He was playing for, for the Catholic high school there in out of uh, yeah, he, he went to he went to Saskatoon Blades, yeah. But I think at the time he was he was at that uh, that boarding school in uh, in Saskatchewan, anyways. He 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 was there at the at the hockey camp, and uh, Barry Melrose said, Look at this kid, uh, you know, his name's Wendell Clark, he's going to be a really good player, and it turned out obviously he was an exceptional player and, and tough and everything like that. So I used to help Barry out with the, the hockey school for two years, and and Wendell and Joey, uh, you know, uh, like lived in the same community, so I met them at that particular time, uh, back in uh, back in the early 80s, uh, which is kind of fun, but but no, I think I think my uh, you know, watching TV on hockey and hockey being um, sort of the, the the main sport that I gravitated to, I just had that dream like many young people do who really enjoy hockey of, uh, you know, maybe someday playing in the NHL. And, and you know, if anything, Bobby Orr was the guy. And I, I was a center iceman when I played Jamie. I wasn't a defenseman, but Bobby Orr was just a, a superstar. And, and Phil Esposito used to stand in front of the net and just put those goals in and and, uh, you know, I used to, uh, I used to love that. And of course, Bobby Clark, uh, who played up in Flin Flon in the Western hockey league. I, I loved the way Bobby Clark played in the intensity. And then when I made the NHL and to play against him and stuff was, uh, you know, pretty exceptional. So, uh, I have lots of good memories of just watching hockey 
and thinking, wow, that would be amazing to one day do that. But I never, ever thought that I'd, I'd be good enough to play in the NHL. Brendan Wheatkings and why I mentioned Darren Drager and um, there's a show I watch in, in that's from Saskatchewan, that's based out of Saskatchewan, uh, Rod Peterson. He's covered WHL hockey as long as he has. And the Brandon Wheat Kings have been around since the sixties. They're a very storied team. And, and it's, it's good to hear your story. We don't get a lot of that Western um, talk here in the Maritimes. It's all right. Maritime hockey, OHL and, and Quebec major junior hockey league. So it's cool to hear the bus stories. Like I've had Kevin Kaminsky on the show and he's talking about the bus rides and, you know, he's up in his fifties and he's loving it. Like it, it's about the, for people that think all oh, bus rides are uh, crappy. It's, it's a time to get to know that you're, you're, you're not friends, but you're, the other players you're playing with. Cause in the junior a league, you're, you might get guys from all over. You're not getting guys just from that area of where the team is. You're getting guys from all over. Right. So when you mentioned the bus rides, like it's important to, you know, maybe not sleep for three, four hours, maybe if you have to, but it's, I think it's really important to, you know, connect with the players on the team, you know, play cards and, you know, Rod's, Rod's mentioned it and, and Kevin's mentioned it as well. Like those bus rides can be long, but that's the time to really connect with your, your teammates. And it's, you see a lot more in Saskatchewan. Um, we're just, you know, Lorange or whether it's Regina, Saskatoon or going to Brandon and going now going down to Portland or Seattle. Like it's, it's really spread out. And even in BC, it seems like it's a lot more spread out in Western Canada than it is in Eastern Canada. Like oh, the, yeah. the, the trips just seem shorter and we don't see a lot of that. Like I've been on the bus and it's, our trips seem very short compared to how the trip is out West. So, you know, embrace the, embrace the, the bus rides and, and get to know your teammates. And that's, I think that's the, the most important thing um, in the junior A experience and, can you agree with that, Lori? When, when you were on the bus, like, is that something you really um, took into consideration, trying to get to know your teammates, maybe because they were from different places? Yeah, well, you know, you really didn't have a choice, Jamie, because back in the seventies yeah. when I played, there was no uh, buses with TVs or anything like that. And no, and no phones, you. right? And and now, no. Nowadays, they're on their iPhones, and totally, um, yeah, there was none of that stuff. So, so. I mean, we would leave sometimes when we would go down to uh, Billings, Montana and play Billings and, and then come up in Lethbridge and we'd oh, go, wow. we'd go away for two weeks at a time. And, you know, we're playing, um, you know, we're playing in Kamloops, we're playing in Victoria, we're playing in newest Minster. So you've got, you've got to go across the, you know, to the Island in Vancouver Island. And uh, I mean, we, we traveled a tremendous amount. I mean, Flynn Flon Bombers were still in the league. They were seven and a half hours north of us. Oh, wow. So when we played, when any team went to Flynn Flon, you'd go for the weekend and play in the weekend. Uh, but Brandon's closest trip was to Regina and that's four hours down the road. So it's just because it's, you know, it's in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and, and, uh, in Manitoba. So you've got four provinces and now you've got, uh, uh Portland was there, uh, you know, at, at the time, uh, the winter Hawks were there, um, Seattle came, uh, uh, you know, and, and now they've got some other, you know, some other teams, Tri-Cities and, and various things like that. So, so you just have, you're forced to, uh, you're forced to kill time. You're forced to read. Uh, many of us actually did our schoolwork 
they, the teachers at our school knew that we would travel away for two weeks. And so they'd give us a whole bunch of assignments that we had to do. So those of us who were still going to school, we would spend some of that time doing, uh, doing our homework. And so it was a sort of a, pot, a positive peer pressure. And, you know, there was uh, myself and, and Brian Prop and Brad McCrimmon, we were, uh, you know, still all in school. So we would spend some time getting some of those assignments done. And uh, so, yeah, you, you, you were forced to do that because it was either, you know, read, play, play cards, uh, uh, but we'd spend a lot of time on the bus. We'd uh, leave at, you know, 10 o'clock at night and, and the bus driver would drive through the night and uh, we would take shifts uh, as players because they only had one bu bus driver back then. And, and nowadays yeah. you can't drive that long. Uh, you can only drive a, a limited amount of time. Uh, for each bus driver so they nowadays they bring two bus drivers if it's over a certain amount of hours to drive but back then we we just had one bus driver and we would sometimes see the uh, bus driver through the mirror uh you know bobbing his head because he was so tired so we would take turns going up front and talking to our bus driver and then you know when i'd be up there for an hour then i'd tap brian prop who i sat beside and then Proppy would go up there and then he tapped somebody else and and so then our bus driver would say, no, no, I'm, I'm good now. I'm, I'm wide awake. And, and, but that's just the way it was. And, uh, you know, back in the day, so there's lots of fond memories, uh, but, but I'm also, uh, I'm also a little bit surprised there wasn't more, uh, there, there wasn't more uh, sort of accidents based on, uh, you know, how we used to do it uh, with one bus driver driving for like 10 hours at a stretch. It's un unfortunate you mentioned Brad McCrimmon. We all know what happened to him, and I've heard some great stories. Would you like to add a little a story about Brad, just for the people at West uh, tuning into this later on? Um, yeah, well, Brad, do you have any do you have any uh, stories with Brad um, being on the bus? Well, uh, I, I have one about his brother Kelly. Um, yeah, Kelly's you know, the, Kelly now is connected to the Golden. Golden Knights. Um, he's the but... he's the GM now for the uh, the the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. But uh, you know, both Kelly and Brad are from Plenty, Saskatchewan, which is not oh, too wow. far from Crawford, Saskatchewan. And we had another uh, guy on our team by the name of Don Gillen, and uh, uh, Don was from uh, I, I believe uh, I can't remember where he was from. He might have been from uh, Doddsland. And anyways, oh, wow. uh, so Kelly McCrimmon and. And Don Gillen were talking about farming on the bus in one of these uh, uh, bus trips. And, uh, you know, they, they were talking about the type of equipment that their families have. And, uh, and uh, uh, Don Gillen's uh, family had um, white farm equipment and, uh, and uh, McCrimmon's had John Deere. Oh, and they, wow. almost came to, they almost came to blows in the back of the bus discussing who had the best oh. equipment for farming. So, uh, so those, those kinds of things would happen a lot, but no, Brad McCrimmon was, uh, he was the captain of our team. He was our top defenseman and he was a solid, uh, solid player. And he had a great NHL career and a, a great coaching, coaching career. He was an assistant coach for a number of years. And of course he was over in, in Russia when, uh, when that, uh, when that tragic accident happened and they lost uh, the whole team. So that, that was a, that was a very, very, uh, you know, tragic situation in the world in the sport of hockey for sure one last thing about the whl i've heard stories like i've talked to darcy tucker i've talked to players that have played in the whl and i've heard stories of um only the 
the visiting team allowed on the ice during warmups. Was it, was that, was it that tough? Like, was it that, I'm not really sure the word to use here, yeah. but was it like yourself? You don't look like you, you could handle yourself. Yeah, yeah. But was it was it a tough? Like how tough was it? Like I yeah, I so, talked to so many people. But yeah. what what's your what's your yeah. opinion? What's your well, thoughts on how well Darcy that WHL actually was? Yeah, so Darcy Darcy's younger than I I am yeah. as well. So I I played junior in the late 70s. Okay. So 77 to 79 and you have to remember Jamie like back in the mid 70s, uh the Broad Street Bullies in Philadelphia uh, I think they won the cup in 74, 75, yep. 75, 76. So back in our day in the seventies, uh, unfortunately the way the game was played is there was a lot of fighting. There was a lot oh, of brawling. Um, and that's what was, you know, winning Stanley cup. So other teams tried to emulate that. So there were teams that had uh, several tough guys on the team. And then many other players who weren't tough guys could handle themselves. So, you know, back in the day, when we play junior, if you and I were fighting, the other four guys on the team would, you know, they would t- take their gloves off and they would grab another player. Uh, that, that wouldn't necessarily mean they're fighting them, but they would grab another player and square off. So all uh, 10 hockey players on the ice were squared off. You and I would be fighting and the other eight would have oh, a, wow. have a dance partner. So, and that caused other fights. So after the refs break us up, maybe one of our teammates got into it depending on how things went or depending on how the score was. So, so it got to be pretty crazy because bench clearing brawls were, uh, were, were not irregular. Unfortunately, they were a regular part of things. There was players that would sometimes go into the stands and, 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 and fight. We'd go up to uh, Flin Flon uh, and Flin Flon today is a mining town. It's a mining community. And of course we'd go up there and, play a game Friday, Sunday, and they didn't have, um, uh, they didn't have glass on the ends of the boards. They had chain link fence. We had that as well here in Halifax. There was chain link fence. Yeah. Yeah. So we had chain link fence or they had chain link fence around the sides in, in, um, you know, in the Whitney form in, in, uh, Flin Flon. And, and then from the blue line to the blue line on the far side where the fans were, they, had it open so if you shot a puck over uh it would go into the into the stands and so a lot of miners would come and they'd have the big mining gloves there and so they'd be right there and they would hold their hands up to knock the pucks or whatever oh man but also what would happen is is sometimes because you were up there for the weekend and play these uh these friday sunday games they'd always have the rcmp up there um it uh they, they'd always have a presence they'd always have four or five rcmp people there because many times what would happen is this very thing i'm going to tell you so a player a flim flon bomber player would check you up against that far side boards which is close to the where the fans are and if you ever went over the boards a little bit some of those miners that were in the first row they'd come <laughs> up and they'd give you uppercuts oh, and man. so of course so then you would be swinging at the fans and your teammates would come in to protect you. You'd be doing the old Mike Mel. You'd be doing the old Mike Melberry with the with Buddy's shoe. Yeah, exactly. Well, we didn't, you know, 
we didn't have to go in the stands because it was right there. And of course the bombers would come in and they'd be protecting their fans. And so there would be all kinds of fights. And then the, the RCMP would come in there and they'd escort the, you know, the guys who threw the punches, they'd escort them out of the rink. And then we would get a police escort after the game uh, on our bus back to the hotel. And we were told you do not go out of your hotel rooms because the hotel was one of the uh, watering holes for the miners. And so they'd sometimes have uh, RCMP officer at the bottom so that they couldn't get up on the third floor because they'd, they'd be liquored up and they'd want to oh, come wow. on the third floor and fight the, f- fight the hockey players. So anyways, wow. so th- those are some things that happened, but, but all that to say is when Darcy probably played, I think they, at that particular time, they had warm-ups that were separate just because of that very reason. You because... played in the 70s. Theo Fleury played in the 80s, and then he yeah. played He played in the 90s, early yeah. 90s, when Kamloops went on that three uh, Memorial Cup run, win okay. run there. So yeah. let's, let's dive into your NHL career. You play 1,009 games. You play with the you, – sorry, you get drafted to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. How did that all – happened like how were you you were in your last year or so in junior were there other teams right. that approached you like um no how did the uh, draft out how did the draft work out like how did that yeah. all work out for you well so in 1979 uh, jamie what had happened then is is they had that rival leg league at the time the world hockey association and the world hockey oh, association right, yeah. uh disbanded uh so yeah. it went out of business and four of those teams uh, you know, joined the NHL. So it was Hartford, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Quebec. Yep. So those were the four teams that, uh, that joined the NHL to make it a 21 team league. And that's also the year where they had the first underage draft in, in history. So as a result of that underage draft, which was only a six rounds uh, as a result of, uh, uh, you know, due to uh, uh, the NHL um, or the World Hockey Association disbanding it, uh, they didn't have a, a central location where they had the draft, like let's just say in Halifax, where everyone would come in and you know all the families and the agents and all that kind of stuff, and your name yeah. gets called and you walk down to the platform. Well, they didn't have that, so they had a conference call, a six-round conference call. So uh, th- that was the year in 1979 where Brandon Weekings, we went to the Memorial Cup Championship, we lost to the Peterborough Pete's in overtime. And we went back to Brandon and uh, also what was happening in 1979 is the hockey world was getting ready for the 1980 Olympics in Lake Placid, New York. And so the hockey playing world was getting together their training camps because they used amateurs then they didn't use NHL players. And uh, so after I got back from, um, uh, from the Memorial cup, I got a call from hockey Canada and they wanted me to come to Calgary to try out for their Olympic program. So uh, my agent at the time said that would be a good thing to do. So right after the uh, Memorial Cup, which is in May, uh, back in Laval, Quebec, uh, I then went to Calgary uh, to try out for Canada's Olympic program, at which time uh, the draft took place. So we were doing two days at the time with Canada's Olympic program, and I got a call. Um, the, uh, The draft was on, and myself and a guy by the name of Paul Reinhardt, uh, he's the dad of the Reinhardt player, uh, the Reinhardt boys yeah. who are playing in the NHL. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, we were told we were going to get drafted and, and we got uh, the morning off practice while we waited in the bottom of, uh, uh, of the, uh, 
of the hockey rink with a, with a rep from Hockey Canada. And uh, so anyways, what the deal was is, uh, of course, uh, there was no TSN or Sportsnet at the time. And, uh, you know, there were no cell phones. And uh, we were just told that uh, they had a they had a rotary phone down in the basement uh, with this official from Hockey Canada. And they said, you know, what the deal is going to be is when your name gets called, they're going to call us and you're going to be talking to the to, uh, you know, to the team that drafted you. And the phone rang and Paul and I were sitting there and we didn't know who they were going to call first. And, and it was my name. I got picked by the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and so the first person I talked to was Harold Ballard. And then, uh, 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 punch him left the general manager. And then I was introduced to, uh, to our coach. And so, and then uh, later on in the first round, uh, Paul Reinhardt got picked by the Atlanta flames. They weren't the Calgary flames yet. And, um, so long and short of it is we had a decision to make. We had uh, to decide if we were going to stay and, and uh, you know, continue with Canada's Olympic program and play in the February Lake Placid Olympics in, in uh, Lake Placid, New York. Uh, or, uh, you know, were we going to go and uh, try and make it to the NHL? Well, for me, uh, I stayed about two more weeks and then I decided, no, I wanted to uh, try and play in the NHL. So I left Canada's Olympic program and, uh, you know, went back to Brandon to get ready for the uh, start of training camp. And Paul Reinhardt decided to stay in uh, with the Olympic program. And he went on to the Olympics in Lake Placid and, and he ended up going to um, Atlanta, uh, joining the Flames after the Olympics were over. And uh, I think Canada placed uh i can't remember what sixth or, or something back uh, back well, in that the was day. that was a miracle on ice that uh, was a miracle on ice yeah, yeah it would have been cool if you were part of that just to get a story um if you had played the americans in that tournament um we've i got friends in in new york so they would have been um they would have liked that story you, you go to the toronto maple leafs ha- I'm just curious, 1979, how did they contact you? Like, how were you contacted? Was there, I know there was, it was had, telephone. There, yeah, there was telephones. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't know if it was like a pay phone in the back and the pay phone rang. I just didn't know how things were connected in 1970. I wasn't born. I was, I was born in 83. Yeah. So I was curious of how yeah. technology was in 1979, but yeah, they'd have, they'd have the pay phones, uh, Jamie back, uh, back then because they had a bank of pay phones when I went to Toronto in 79, they had pay phones were everywhere. So that was the, you know, the mode of communication, right? If you were away from your landline, uh, it was, uh, you, you put in like a nickel or 10 cents and, and you'd have a phone card or you'd call collect, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds crazy today. So you, you go to the Toronto, you play two seasons in Toronto, 79, 80, you end up in the New Brunswick Hawks. 80 81 you play another season in toronto how was the experience like you play 80 games in toronto did you start off with the hawks like how did that start like did you go down and, and play yeah. four games in the american league and then they called you up like you no. scored you scored four goals in your first four games with the new brunswick hawks yeah so is that so- when they is that when they called you up no, so what what had happened, uh, Jamie, was that I I got drafted, to, you know, of course to Toronto, and then yeah. I I I went to training camp. I made the team. I played there the first yeah. year. The second year in, okay. in the NHL, oh, wait, I, year, yeah. I, I got hurt. Oh, 
Oh, and okay. I, right. I got blood poisoning and all that kind of stuff. And so they asked me to go uh, play a few games uh, with the American Hockey League team, which was, uh, uh, which was there um, in, in Moncton. Uh, they shared it with Chicago. And yes, yes, uh, just, did, to yeah. get, just to get ready. And uh, so that's what I that's what I did. So I just went down, down there, played four games, and then I was back with Toronto. And then I never, I never played in the minors again. So it was just a sort of a, a conditioning stint after uh, I, I got, I was out with mononucleosis and everything like that. So they just wanted to make sure that I was sort of getting up to speed uh, physically. And uh, so they thought, you know, go down to the minors and, and then we'll call you up. I actually had to scroll down on my computer here. You actually played Three, you played three seasons in Toronto, seventy nine right. yeah. to eighty two. I've heard the story. Like I've, I've, I haven't heard the story in person, but I've, yeah. I've seen it on Wikipedia. I've heard stories of, um, through different platforms. Talk about your relationship, um, and your your ministry work, and and you've, you were here in 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 the nineties, like we mentioned off air. You yeah. were here, um. Um, you were here in Lower Sackville with the team I was playing for, and I know your religion and all that stuff. What, but what was your relationship with Harold Ballard? Because in some of the stories I've read, he just wasn't um, comfortable with your with your beliefs and your religion and right. stuff. Um, right. Did that ultimately um, have you traded to Edmonton? Like what was the relationship right. with you and how, cause we all know, like I've talked to many alumni and yep. the, the, the displeasures they've had with Harold Ballard. Like it's, it's yep. been proven, but what, what was your personal uh, connection my, with uh, my experience? Yes. Yeah. So, so Jamie, what had happened was uh, as I mentioned earlier, my first year with Toronto uh, went quite well. My second year because of mono and, and being out, uh, I only played 50 some games that year. Then the next year, my third year, after being, you know, first overall with Toronto, ninth overall, there, the expectations were, okay, this is the, you know, this is the third year now. So Boschman should round out into the player we think he's going to be. And I actually got off to a terrible start. And so what had happened was, is they, uh, you know, within obviously my, my teammates and others, they, uh, you know, knew that uh, my life off ice had changed and I had become a, a, a Christian, a follower of Christ. Yep. And so that was something that was well known within, uh, you know, our team and our group. And we were playing the Rangers one night in uh, Madison square gardens. And, uh, and then right after the game, we played that game when we chartered back to Toronto uh, and uh uh, after the game and Daryl Settler was our captain and his uh, wife, Wendy had put a note on the door and said, uh, you know, about two in the morning when we got in uh, from the, uh, from the game, uh, there was a note on the door that said, Daryl, turn on the VCR. So this kind of shows the age again, uh, Jamie, there was uh, yeah, I still uh, have, there were... I still have VHS tapes. I have the whole, okay. I have the whole Don Cherry, Don Cherry, oh, Rock'em, the Rock'em Sock'ems. Yeah. They all, they all went up to about, I think 10 or 11 and then they turned the DVD after Rock'em Sock'em 12. So yeah. um, there's, there's yeah. still it's... a, um, there's still a uh, sentimental value. There's still sentimental value here in my home. Uh, the VHS okay. is uh, shows a yeah. lot of memories and you can't, yeah. It just—it's hard to get rid of those memories. So you have to keep the VHS, right? So. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, uh, there was a note that said, "Daryl, turn on the VCR." And so what she had done was she had taped 
the game and she had queued up the interview with the interviewer and Harold Ballard. The guy's name was Dick Beddoes and they were interviewed between the uh, second and third period and, and uh, uh, Dick Beddoes interviewed Ballard and, and there was some talk because I wasn't playing well and Ballard went on, on TV and said that it was Boschman's religion that he wasn't playing well and that they were thinking of sending him to the minors oh, or wow. trading him. And so uh, I, ha- you know, I was a single guy. Uh, I-, I was living by myself. And uh, so I had no idea of what had happened. So Daryl uh, watched that before he went to bed. The next morning, we go down to Maple Leaf Gardens and, and uh, sit, asked me to come into the uh, bathroom stall. And uh, I, he said, Bosch, uh, come here. And I, I, I said to him, is everything all right with Wendy and the kids? And he said, yeah. But he said, here's what happened last night. And he told me the story. And he said, just get ready because all the media is going to want to ask you that question with what Ballard said during the second and third period last night. And so basically, of course, that's exactly what happened right after practice. All the media were gathered around me and they were saying, well, you know, Lori, uh, I don't know if you heard about Harold Ballard. And I told him I hadn't. I didn't tell him I was talking to Daryl Settler, but I, I told him, yeah, I, I hadn't heard, uh, 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 you know, what happened. I was playing in the game last night and they told me and I and they said, what's your comment? And I I, I said several comments, but uh, sort of the basic thing I, I, I got across to people was that I thought it was Mr. Ballard's ignorance of Christianity that he'd make such a statement like that. Uh, I, I told them I didn't think it was my faith in Christ that impacted uh, my hockey uh, playing ability. I just wasn't playing well. And so what happened from there, Jamie, is there was a lot of back and forth in the media with the Toronto Star, the Globe and Mail, all the beat writers were talking about, what does it mean to be a born-again Christian? Can you be a born-again Christian and play a physical sport like hockey? Um, uh, uh what does that mean? What does it look like? And so I had a lot of people uh, opinions on what that meant and what that looked like. And uh, so uh, in the meantime, uh, behind the scenes, uh, Harold Ballard and, uh, and, and Punch Imlech, the general manager, and uh, Mike Nikolic, our coach at the time, they were thinking, well, that it's got to be his religion uh, that, uh, you know, that. Uh, he's not playing well and so and so it was just it went on like that for uh many months uh and it it got so um so bad that uh, i asked uh, to be traded and i eventually got traded so it, was, so it was on your terms that and we all know still to this day Lori, the media in toronto you know like they're on jake gardner they're on dion Phaneuf, right. they've been on so many different players and um i listened to a conversation over the weekend with Theron Fleury and you know mental health and everything that's going on right now with COVID mm-hmm. people are coping uh, sorry not coping but they're dealing with their mental health they're dealing with their issues um, through church right mm-hmm. some people hang out with certain groups but you can't like I was physically going to church before the whole pandemic. Now it's all virtual and it's, it's not the same. It's tough to to watch it on a computer compared to being actually in person. Mm -hmm. But church for a lot of people is a, is a, is the medicine like is, is what helps people become better people. And for Ballard and it's understandable. Like I've talked to 
Ally Prady. I've talked to Gary Lehman. I've talked to guys that played in the eighties. Um, a lot of other guys shrug it off and say, yeah, Battle Rivers just, it is what it is. And some guys actually explained mm-hmm. his ignorance, but you just mm-hmm. explained, but like, it's, it's something that shouldn't be used as an excuse. Like, you know, but people right. tuning in that do attend church or view it on the computer now because of COVID, you yeah. should, if you're going through a rut, don't blame going to church or, or like people still have beverages and, and go to church or believe in Christ. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're able to have a beverage and you're not harming anybody or harming him upstairs, what's what you can still play hockey. You, you still racked up 150, 175 penalty minutes. Like you, you, you took care of yourself and you were able to play the game the way you could, could the right, the way you knew how, so that should not be an excuse on Harry Ballard's comments. Like it, yeah. I know it's the seventies and eighties. Things are a little different now, the way people right. view people that are in, um, that are going to church and stuff. But um, right. I've, I've become a newborn Christian. I'm still fairly mm. new. Like I'm still yep. fairly in that, in that walk. So for me to explain your situation, it's, it was a different time. It's, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But for people tuning in, um, for Harold Harold Ballard to say that, that's just an excuse to say, well, that's why he's maybe playing bad. Like you like you explained, right. you're, you're going through different times in your life and um, guys go through it now in the National Hockey League. Yeah, but I just know, wasn't playing well, Jamie. And, yeah. and it's people. Yeah, 100%. And it's, uh, you know, obviously it was Mr. Ballard's misconception of, christianity i mean and uh and so uh so you know that's uh, that's just the way it was back in in those days and of course with mr ballard that's uh, that's the way he was he was very bombastic and outspoken and and uh so i mean he owns the team he can do and say what he wants right so uh he doesn't no. have to answer to anyone when you when you're the owner so no it's unfortunate there's a lot of gyms and owners like that like look in New York right now. They're not pleased with what's going on. And the GM or owner got um, Mr. Dolan is impatient. He's going to make the moves. And a lot of the times I believe, um, in my opinion, owners of hockey teams um, really don't see the big picture. They kind of just are impatient. They've got the money. They own the team. They're unpleasant of what's happening. So they basically make, make the moves that aren't really necessarily the right moves. Um, but at the end of the day, you went on your own terms. It wasn't like Harold shipped you out of town and, and threw you to a, uh, a lesser team. You, you, you ended up getting traded to the Edmonton Oilers, which had a guy by the name of Wayne Gretzky. So just talk about that. How, how cool was it to be traded? Yes, it was unfortunate you were traded away from the first team you ever played for, but how cool was it to play for Wayne Gretzky? And look at, look at that team that was stacked and, um, instead of going into the online uh, database, did did the Oilers win? Like, were they kind of on the verge of winning a Stanley Cup, or, or was that the years that the Islanders were winning? I'm not. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. So, uh, so Jamie, when I when I went there on uh, in uh, 82, 83, uh, they they lost in the playoffs, or we lost in the playoffs, and the next year. Uh, was when they won their first cup, but the Islanders had 
had uh, had been winning the uh, the cups at that particular time. They were on a roll. I think they won. That was their uh, fourth. And then I think Edmonton started to uh, their dynasty started to take off. And then they won two, and Calgary won one. And then they I think they won three more after that. So uh, for for five. But uh, but yeah. So when I when I was with them, I did not. Uh, I was not part of a cup team, but uh, they, they were a great, uh, great, te- great young team. You could tell that with the, you know, with uh, obviously with uh, who you mentioned Gretzky and Messier and, and uh, Yari Curry and coffee and, and, and Grant fear. And uh, so they had, I think uh, seven, seven or eight hall of famers, Glenn Anderson uh, on that team. Uh, so they were a real juggernaut and uh, uh, it was fun. You know, it was fun to go, uh, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, from Toronto, it was disappointing, uh, to, to leave there, but, uh, you realize it, you know, it's a business and, and you, you understand that. Uh, but, uh, uh, and then a year later I, I got traded to, uh, to Winnipeg and, uh, then my career kind of really took off as far as, uh, you know, the numbers went and all those kinds of things playing for the jets in Winnipeg. What were you able to take, not to take away from Merck Five and Sittler? Like, um, Sittler could have just watched the VCR and said nothing and just let it play out, but he took the time to talk to you and talk to you about the VCR video. And that, that's really cool to see. Was there something that, or cool to hear, sorry, is there something that you took from Wayne Gretzky? Like you said, there were seven Hall of Famers on that team. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt that, you know, Gretzky was, uh, uh, I mean, I think the year before I got there, he got 212 points. I mean, that's oh, just insane uh, that somebody could do that. But uh, yeah, the things that he could do, uh, I mean, he was gifted. And I, I, I believe, uh, you know, anyone who makes it to the NHL has a God-given ability. Uh, I mean, yes, you have to work hard and do all these kinds of things. But Wayne was an exception, uh, the way he used his teammates. And yes, he had lots of players on that team that were very good that complimented uh, him. But he was an outstanding player. He was head and shoulders above anyone at the league at that time. Uh, I, I mean, uh, you know, arguably um, Mario Lemieux came on the scene and Mario didn't have a, a supporting cast in, in uh, Pittsburgh like, like Wayne had in Edmonton. But, uh, I, I mean, those were pretty special players. And then, of course, Yager came and, and Ronnie Francis and different players like that came and, and helped out uh, uh, you know, the guys in Pittsburgh, but, uh, but it was just great to see. It's great to play with those guys. You, you, you learn and pick up different things from some of these great hockey players on what they like to do, uh, what they're trying to do. But uh, Wayne had some special abilities that, uh, that couldn't be replicated just because, you know, he was the one who sort of, um, who, uh, you, you know, sort of uh, did that play behind the net and, and uh, where he'd, you know, hold the puck in behind the net. And if defense chased him, he'd come out the other side and dish it to one of his defense sliding in from the point, or he'd get it to Curry or, uh, you know, who was a sniper, but Yari Curry was as good defensively as he was offensively. And, and uh, you know, and, and uh, Wayne would come down on the right side as a left-handed shot and he'd come across the blue line and, and then he picked the goalies apart because back in our day too, the goalies didn't butterfly. Every goalie today in the, in the NHL does the butterfly. And back mm-hmm. in our day, they were more stand up uh, in their approach, uh, more of a stand up goaltender. So it's it's quite a bit uh, quite a bit different today. But I mean, uh, Wayne is a great guy, and he was an exceptional player. 
and they had a lot of exceptional players and it was a, a fun to be there the two years that I was there. But, uh, but every stop I had in the 14 years of my career, Jamie was, uh, I, I learned lots and it was lots of fun. We can't forget about, uh, Dale Howard track is unfortunate in 2019. Uh, he was here for heart and stroke and, this is just goes to show how precious life is. Like when I got to see him here in Halifax in 2019, before his whole whole down spiral with cancer, um, you don't see you don't see the big picture. Like it, it, right. he he took off, he went back to Barry or back to Ontario after the tournament, and and knew nothing about his his illness. And right. it's you got a a story to, to tell. Um, during your time with the Jets and Dale Howard, Chuck, what did you learn from him? Um, and sadly, we did lose Dale uh, uh, because of cancer. Yeah. But uh, just tell the viewers something cool about uh, your experience playing with the Jets and uh, playing with Dale Howard, Chuck. Well, again, Dale, like a Wayne Gretzky, was special in the, in, in the fact that he was such a gifted offensive player. Uh, you know, Dale was a, a terrific uh, teammate as well. Uh, and, and I, I will say, Jamie, that obviously for all of us, our health is very fragile. Um, yep. you know, it, it can change, uh, obviously, uh, at times we, uh, you know, we might not know that we're ill until all of a sudden our head starts to hurt or something and we go get that checked and it turns into be something that we, you know, we weren't really bargaining for, but, uh, but, uh, Dale was just an exceptional player, great teammate, um, you know, did, did so many good things on the ice, uh, but was very well respected in the room. And uh, of course uh, he and his wife, uh, Crystal, um, you know, they, they were back in the, in the Winnipeg days, they uh, bought a little uh, horse ranch out uh, just outside of the city, just uh, right on the outskirts of, of Winnipeg. And Crystal was into horses and Dale got into uh, raising um, uh, um what were the uh, Hanoverian horses? They were, uh, they were uh, uh, German uh, jumpers and uh, he and Crystal were into that business. They had quite an operation outside of uh, uh, in the Caledon area. And then they bought a new farm in, in the Barrie area. But uh, Dale was a, an exceptional hockey player, obviously a hall of famer and just a, just a terrific, uh, terrific guy. Like I mentioned, you played a thousand thousand and nine games in the national hockey league what was one moment that stuck out in your 14 year career besides the, the playing a thousand games well you know because jamie i never i never was on a stanley cup winner so i don't have any of those things to talk about uh i mean obviously as someone who realized a dream i i think you know the the you know, the, the important thing is, uh, you know, as I look back on my career, I, I look back on my, you know, my first game and uh, playing my first game in the NHL and then playing in some of the buildings I was able to play in, you know, Maple Leaf Gardens, Chicago Stadium, Boston Gardens, uh, the old auditorium in Boston, in uh, Buffalo and some of the, you know, the older buildings that I, I grew up watching as a kid when I was following the hockey uh, the Montreal form. And uh, of course, back in those days, Montreal was winning the cup quite consistently and yeah. you'd always see that. And of course, uh, you know, playing against the great players that you, you played against and stuff. And, and th those are the things that I look back on because every stop I had, I played on five NHL teams over 14 years and you learn something new and you, you, you know, there's something that you have as takeaways from each 
year in each team and some of the players um, that you play with or against. And, uh, you know, and, and fortunately for me, working on a full-time basis with Hockey Ministries International, uh, you know, I'm able to stay connected to both uh, former players and uh, some of the current NHLers who would attend our chapel programs uh, across the NHL landscape. So, uh, so, so it's interesting. I've been involved in the game on the peripheral for a lot of years. And, uh, you know, it's a game, obviously, Jamie, I can say that obviously uh, both of us love and uh, has, has impacted us. And, uh, and we enjoy, uh, you know, we enjoy watching. I look forward to the playoffs and it looks like Toronto Montreal are going to, yeah, uh, are going to start off in a, in a playoff series, which will be kind of fun. Yeah. We'll have to have you back on uh, maybe in around the playoff time, we'll get your opinions, but a couple more thoughts before I do let you go, Laurie, you go into Ottawa it's expansion year, which is not a bad thing. Look at, look at Vegas. Like they got right to the cup final. Um, I know the senators, I talked to Denny Vial. Um, it was trying times to say the least you had, um, a, t- a very young team uh, and, and expansion draft back then was a bit different than it is now. But yep. what did you take from, you know, Rick five, Daryl, you played with Daryl Sutter, you pl- uh, sorry, Daryl Sittler, Rick yep. five, y- you go into Edmonton, you play with seven hall of famers, Wayne Gretzky. Um, and you go play with the jets, Dale Harachuk from all those individuals. Was there something you took from those guys to help the guys because you were a veteran going into Ottawa mm-hmm. and you and you were the captain of that team. You were right. your, your Ottawa Senators very first captain, which people, you know, I talked to Senators fans and like, do you know who the very first captain was? They, they go and they say, Oh, Daniel Alfredson or they, you know, yeah. so, you know, this is the whole point of the OI, like just to give you a taste of people that um, played in the seventies and eighties and nineties that people sure. forget about right. because people forget unless Unless they have, unless they look it up, you were yeah. the first senator's captain. So that's right. a cool little, cool little uh, story next to your name, Glory yeah. Boschman, the very first captain in Ottawa. But what did you take from all those individuals, and what did you say to the young fellows in Ottawa, like that were? Well, um, well, like I think say Dag. Like, what did you did you say yeah. anything to well, Alexander Dag or any of the younger kids uh, when well, you when you got into Ottawa? Yeah. So, so it's not so much, uh, uh, I, I mean, there's lots of things, Jamie, that, that are said, but for example, uh, being, a, um, you know, sort of the captain of a of expansion franchise, you're just, you know, some of the players had played in the minor leagues that were on our team that had never played at the NHL level. were getting a shot, uh, first time at the NHL. And so there were many, many, um, things that that the uh, the management here in Ottawa didn't uh, didn't know because a lot of their front office um, was uh, was brand new so uh, I mean things like we set up going to the hospital at uh, Chio which is the children's hospital of eastern Ontario we we arrange a hospital visit at Christmas time and uh, you know they're doing it now 28 years later uh, they continue to do that tradition of uh, giving back to the community and doing those kinds of things. And I think it's along the lines of those kinds of things that veteran players 
because you're a veteran, I had, you know, played 14 years at that time. And I played in Toronto and in, you know, Edmonton and Winnipeg and New Jersey. So I saw what, you know, four other teams had done over the years. And so you, you take those, some of those things and you try and uh, replicate it uh, on a new franchise where they didn't know any of these things were, uh, you know, existed or uh, should be done. And so, uh, those kinds of things, uh, you know, are things that, um, you know, that, uh, that I'm very, uh, you know, pleased and, and, and proud that uh, I was a part of. And also just to, you know, to tell the young players, I mean, it was a terrible year. I think we won only 11 games that year, 10 or 11 games. And it was, uh, it was very, very difficult on everybody. But uh, uh, I mean, some of the younger guys were just glad they were in the NHL. Uh, that wasn't the case for myself. I had played a long time for a lot of good teams and I'd never been on such a poor team. And uh, that was very, very difficult. And you knew that, uh, you know, that the end was coming uh, near when you're on a team such as that. And, uh, and certainly it turned out to be true, but I have a lot of uh, great uh, memories of that, uh, of that, uh, you know, of that, uh, my last year in the NHL and my first year with, uh, uh, with the senators. Um, you know, there's lots of interesting things that, uh, that, that, that occurred. And, um, uh, but, uh, but most of all, I, I think oftentimes through difficult times, Jamie, you, you know, you have a choice as to let that, you know, draw you down or you can gain from those experiences and use that later on, uh, in life, uh, you know, in a positive manner. And I think that's what I choose to do with my experience with Ottawa. I mean, obviously we, we live in the Ottawa area. We decided to, to, uh, stay here and, and make this home. My kids were raised here. Um, and you know, they're off and, and married now and, uh, and different things like that. So, uh, but, uh, we, we love this community and, uh, you know, and I'm also uh, president of the uh, Ottawa Senators alumni. So uh, we do a lot of good things in our community here and uh, with a lot of players who uh, make Ottawa home and uh, we're, we're an integral part of the community. And so that's kind of fun now when players retire like a Chris Neal and a Chris Phillips and a Daniel Alfredson and, and uh, you know, a Sean, uh, Sean Donovan and Sean Van Allen. When those players make uh, Ottawa home, it's nice for us to be a part of the community and give back in the community, even though we're not current NHLers, but the current NHLers uh, do some great things in the community when there's not something like COVID going on. Mark McThought and Brent Wallace too. Uh, they, I believe they're in the Ottawa area and they're doing yes. quite well on their podcast. So it's, it's, I, uh, I continue to tell James, like it was funny before the season, the Ottawa senators were two and 15 or so. Yeah. And, and people wrote them off. They wrote them off right at the beginning saying, oh, yeah. they're not even going to reach 10 games. And I said, well, you're mistaken because they're going to get about 20 wins and look where they're at today in the standings. Right. They're, they've got 20 wins. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I have a close connection to Ottawa. It's an amazing city. Um, have yet to skate on the Rideau Canal just because it's in January or February when, yeah. when they start, yeah. um, when, the, when you're at, allowed to skate on the canal but ottawa is just an amazing place and the, yeah. you know you, you pierre dorian right now is doing an amazing job and i tell james every day like i've got a close connection with ottawa my brother lives in the finley creek area used to live in Barhaven and um in around moody bay there and i it's 
I, the last 10 years or so, I've gotten, um, gotten, gotten to know Ottawa and it's got a soft place in my heart. It's, it's an amazing place. And, um, it's a cool little place to visit. It's definitely better than visiting Toronto. No offense to people <laughs> tuning in, listening from, uh, uh, Toronto or Ontario. Um, I imagine Ontario has cool little spots, but Ottawa is just, it is the capital and, and they do an amazing job. Like parliament's so clean. Like it's just, it's such a, uh, couple years ago july 1st it's, it's just an amazing place and um i do want to ask you one last question um i know toronto was your very first team but if lanny mcdonald uh, called you to go into the hall of fame which hall of fame or sorry which nhl hat would you wear like which team would you would you want to wear i would i would think ottawa but toronto being your first team um, is there, is there anybody in the league right now or in the hall of fame that's got a, um, an Ottawa Senators hat on? Like, would you be the first guy to wear that Ottawa Senators hat? But okay. First off, Jamie, I have, I appreciate that very kind, uh, uh, suggestion, but that'll never happen. Lanny will never call me to, to it's always a good question to, to ask. I always like to ask, I always yeah. like to ask the alumni if yeah. Lanny, I, I got his email address. I'm going to, I'm going to send them an email here shortly um, <laughs> well I, I actually if it you know it, and it's not it's not a possibility but i mean i would go in as a winnipeg jet oh, wow. uh, because i played seven years in winnipeg two of our three boys were born in winnipeg uh you know seven of my 14 years uh, uh were there uh, great great community uh, i mean you know i i spent nine years in brandon two hours down the road from winnipeg and uh, have so many good memories from that team. We had an excellent team in, in Winnipeg with Paul McLean, who's a, a, a yeah. maritimer as well, yeah. uh, you know, and Joey Mullen and, and Thomas Steen and Babbage. And, uh, you know, we just couldn't get by the Oilers. And so that's one of uh, my, my bigger regrets, uh, you know, is that we just couldn't beat them in the playoffs. Um, and uh, we, we had some very good teams there, but... Uh, uh, but yeah, if uh, it, it would uh, probably uh, be wearing a Winnipeg Jet hat, and uh, I'm I'm very pleased, you know, I, I was able to play on uh, on several uh, obviously Canadian teams. Four out of the five teams I played on were Canadian teams, so it was great to to be in you know Toronto and Edmonton and and Winnipeg and here uh, in Ottawa because every Canadian city is uh, you know it's a hockey city and. Uh, and people have a passion for the sport. They love hockey and it's great to be in that, uh, you know, uh, to be a part of that. Uh, although I, I will admit that my two years in New Jersey were kind of fun because it took the spotlight off my, my wife and myself because we could go outside, outside of the Brendan Byrne arena, which uh, was the old rink where the uh, New Jersey Devils played. Uh, we could actually go to malls. We could go to, uh, uh, restaurants. We could, uh, in our, in our neighborhood in Verona, New Jersey, nobody knew who we were. And we really liked that because we always considered ourselves to be, uh, just normal people. And, uh, it was nice to live like, like that, where nobody really knew who you were. And, uh, that was, that was kind of fun. It kind of got us ready for life after hockey, but again, living in a, in a hockey centered place like Ottawa. I mean, I've been retired for 27 years, uh, you know, Jamie. So obviously there's a, you know, many 
young people who follow hockey have no clue that I played just like you talked about that would not know that I was the captain of the team because they're, they probably weren't around or they were too young. Maybe around the 2000s. Most most likely the fans that I talked to or the people that have since podcast around the 2000s, because safe to say it was 2007. Like they had that run versus the Anaheim ducks or, um, and the clashes between Tucker and Chris Neal and, you know, the, the play that Alfredson um, with Sundin, Sundin chucking his broken stick in the crowd, and um, and all that good stuff. And it, I, yeah. Chris Neal, all the stories that he's mentioned, um, I've watched. And yeah. unless you talk to Denny Vial or you talk talk to yourself, nobody really knows what happened between uh, the time you guys entered the league until about two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ottawa was, wasn't really on the map until maybe 2007 when they played the Ducks or they had, they had those runs, right? Um, it's, it's been trying times. Like you've had so many goalies, so many players. You've had great leaders, Alfredson, and, and the years you had Barrasso and Laleem and Martin Gerber and Ray Emery. And it's been, it's been trying times. Um, but in the next five years, um, here's my opinion. Um, the Ottawa Senators look, look very, very promising. Um, some people even say Ottawa may win the Stanley Cup before Toronto in the next five to six years. Like that's that's what Ottawa fans are saying. Like uh, you know, we haven't won a cup since 1967, um, and the year that's going on right now, you know, it's I I want to see Toronto win the Stanley Cup. But I also want to see Ottawa win the Stanley Cup. And they've been very close in the last um, 10 years, 15 years or so. Like, they've been very close. Got to the very right. end. Um, and and um, I know uh, with your bus experience, maybe you'll be driving the, the parade bus uh, <laughs> down through uh, the main road yeah, there. What's the, main, what's the main, main road called? What's the main, main road? What, what's the main road that's adjacent to Parliament? The long strip. Uh, oh, Wellington, Wellington, yeah, yeah. or or maybe yeah. yeah, or Bank Street, Bank, Bank Street, yeah, like likely Bank or Wellington, yeah. Yes, well, no, it's it's nice, uh, you, you know, it's nice to see, uh, uh, obviously the the Sens uh, uh, are are certainly a promising team. I think they've got to figure out their goaltending situation for you know next year and whatever going forward. Yeah. I know they they signed Murray and maybe he didn't get off to the start that he wanted uh, to, but. Uh, you know, they've got a good, a lot of good young players. There's no doubt about that. Um, and uh, so they've got some real uh, uh, good potential. And, and there is a lot of excitement in our community uh, for the Senators. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course, I think they've got to do it here uh, in the next couple of years if they're going to, just because they've got salary cap situations. And, uh, you know, I think in Toronto too, the jury's out. Uh, uh, they certainly have the offensive ability, whether... They have uh, sort of the right combination back on D and in, in, in between the pipes remains to be seen, right? And that's why you play the yes, playoffs is, uh, is, uh, is those things are determined. Uh, and so anyways, it's, it's fun though. It's fun to talk hockey. It's fun to, uh, uh, it's fun to see the Canadian teams uh, do well. Uh, I, I like the uh, setup this year with the North Division. Uh, we got a chance to, to, to see all the Canadian teams, and uh, I, I think it was lots of fun. It was, uh, it was great entertainment this winter, for sure. Would you be okay if the, the format comes back for next year, the seven-team Canadian team only? 
Yeah, would you be okay I, with that. I, I would. I opinion? would be okay with that, but it's not going to happen. Uh, I think okay. they, they've announced good answer, already. Because I I don't want them to see it back. I don't. You know, to see yes, it's great to see McDavid get fifty. Uh, sorry, a hundred points in fifty three games. Yeah. But in a regular regular year versus teams in the United States, that doesn't happen. Maybe eighty games he gets to hundred, but you've got a lot of tighter teams that that have better goaltending. And you and you look at the goaltending that's been displayed in the Canadian division. Not one goalie has outshined the other guy. Like Halibux the Vesna guy, or Vesna Trophy winner, hasn't played up to his potential. Carey Price has been dismal. Uh, Freddie Anderson situation. Um, Matt Matt Murray comes into Ottawa, twenty six years old, uh, all the potential in the world, but he hasn't lived up to his expectations. Mm-hmm. Vancouver's just gone through hell. Uh, lack of better terms and it just it's it's not good to see it's just I know it's COVID and all this stuff but it's it's something that I don't want to see back and um, you know it's 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 a crappy year not to use that four-letter word but a better word would be crappy and it's just it's unfortunate but um, glad you also said that you know I wouldn't want to see it back Um, it's exciting it was fun well, it lasted, but I want to see Toronto play Tampa Bay. I want to yep. see Ottawa because you you go to you watch Ottawa next year versus Tampa Bay, Boston. They don't do what they did this year. They don't get into a um, a run like they did this year. Like it's they'll finish at the bottom, but it's it's fun while it lasted. Um, yep. And who yep. knows uh, what will happen for next year? But um, I love to see a championship in Ottawa. Um, although I want to obviously see we're a Leafs uh, podcast, like we talk about the Leafs and try to get Leaf alumni. Um, mm-hmm. And I've gone off the board here on the OI talking to a Senators alumni, but I've loved, I've loved to also see the Ottawa Senators win, win the Stanley Cup, um, of course, after the Toronto Maple Leafs. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, that's the fun part. We'll, we'll, we'll wait to see what happens in playoffs this year hopefully they can get through it uh, you know covid free because obviously if yes, if covid hits one of these teams and impacts uh you know some of the players uh, i mean it could look a lot different and so you never know i mean you know covid wasn't an issue in in years past but now it is so uh, look what happened with the vancouver canucks uh, yep. you know some teams in the nhl now have finished playing their 56 game schedule and i think they've got seven games remaining because they were off for three weeks with covid so you know and if a team got that during a, a seven game series it's uh, it, you know it could be devastating so i think there's a lot of uh, unknowns yet uh, and that's what makes the you know the playoffs very interesting for this year no very good sir how can people reach out i know i've i've got some friends that are on sense podcast and um people uh dying to hear your story um how can people get in touch with you i know you're you mentioned you're the president of the uh senators alumni um but how can people get a hold of you if they ever want to uh, have a conversation uh, well, they could uh, reach out to me at uh, hockeyministries.org. Uh, uh, they could just uh, go to hockeyministries.org and uh, they could get my contact information in that uh, uh, through that uh, website uh, where okay. I work. Okay. Very good, sir. Very, very uh, good conversation. I know uh, you're on the Ottawa Senator side of things and uh, I hope the best for the Ottawa Senators moving forward, but 
Laurie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining myself on another episode of the OI. My pleasure, uh, Jamie. Nice to talk to you.